Why? Why? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why forsake the majesty and fellowship of heaven? Exchanging a palace for a stable. Immortal comforts for a feeding trough. And robes of glory for the feeble body of an infant. An unparalleled irony, this supreme, unrivaled nobility experiencing absolute and total humility. Our sovereign God, Emmanuel, as a baby. He didn't come to heap shame upon sinners or to judge and cast out the impious, but to break bread with those called unrighteous. He didn't come to illuminate every mystery of the cosmos or to enlighten the intellectual, but to fulfill the testimony of prophets clothed in rags. He didn't come to elevate a single nation or to advocate a particular political affiliation. He came because he saw you broken in need of salvation. He saw you lost and abandoned crying out, surrounded by deaf ears, fighting through the tears, but beaten down by the torments of this world. And unable to bear your distress, he renounced his eternal throne, walked the earth, bore the stripes, accepted the nails, and gave up his last breath, so that you could receive the breath of life. holy, infinite God, beheld your pain, perceived your heart, and determined that your soul was worth dying for. From the manger, to the cross, to the empty tomb, it is all a story of profound love, of a Savior who rescued his children from darkness of a blameless king who declared that no sacrifice was too great for the sake of his beloved creation. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came for you. Well, Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you have joined with us and are making us a part of your holiday celebration. And I'm glad you're here, even if you're not glad you're here. Because I know on Christmas, sometimes grandma says, if you don't come, you don't eat. Or mom says, if you don't come, you don't get to open presents. So thank you for being here. We are glad. And if you're in that boat, uh, I'm especially glad you're here. And I hope that you find this to be an enjoyable time. Do you remember... Christmas morning as a little kid. I can remember running downstairs with excitement to see the presents under the tree. Presents that my mom and dad had bought me, my aunts, uncles, grandparents. And in our house, when Santa brought presents, they were always wrapped in the comics because Santa just wrapped them in whatever he could find. And the stockings were full and everything was there and it, there was magic in the air. I remember sitting and talking with my brother about, so how do you think he really does it? 
How does Santa get to every house and make it there? And then I was a little twisted as a kid. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, so what happens if Santa comes down the chimney and there's still like hot coals? Like, how does he prevent that? The milk and cookies were gone. It was this incredible time of wonder and imagination. And when I think about wonder, Miriam's dictionary defines wonder as something or someone or a feeling caused by seeing something that is very surprising, beautiful, and amazing. Something that is surprising or hard to believe. And I think that's exactly how I felt when I walked downstairs on Christmas as a kid. However, as an adult, maybe some of you are feeling this way as well. It's not so much about wonder anymore. We're hosting our first Christmas this year, and so my family is in town, and it's been about making a menu, buying the groceries, making sure all the air mattresses actually hold air so my nephew doesn't end up on the hard concrete floor, getting the gifts, getting them wrapped, getting them mailed to the family that can't come. It's about cooking the food. It's about worrying to make sure everybody's healthy. It's about checking the weather channel to make sure the drive is going to be okay. It worked out all right this year, 62 on Christmas Eve, we're okay. It's about making sure that when we go to bed tonight, Santa has his milk and cookies. Or in our house, summer sausage and cheese. What I actually feel instead of wonder as an adult when it comes to Christmas is an overwhelming pressure and stress to make sure Christmas is perfect. Maybe I'm alone, but my guess is some of you have felt this too. And when we actually pause, we wonder, when was the last time I felt wonder about Christmas? Now, the big word to describe this is a word called malaise. Now, I don't like to use big words all the time, but this one's just fun to say. And malaise is a sense of blah or a feeling of not being well about life. Often comes from being bored. And when I think about the feeling of malaise, I think about mayo. It just sounds similar, right? Malaise and mayo. And mayo is the most boring of all condiments. I mean, it's just... Just needs a little tangy zip of Miracle Whip. (laughs) Miracle Whip, did you get it? Wonder, there we go. Unfortunately for many of us, this sense of malaise isn't new. It's been going on for a long time. A lot longer than the holidays. We're tired. And this sense of, this feeling of pressure and weight has robbed us of joy, of life, and maybe of any sense of enjoyment we had. And I don't want to be a downer on Christmas Eve. I know you all came here to have a great Christmas Eve service. But if we can be one, if we can be honest for a minute, there's no wonder we struggle with these feelings. We're going on two full years of COVID and we just want it to be over. And it's spiking again. Maybe our marriages are struggling or we know someone whose marriages are struggling. The prices of all the things we need to live and do are climbing faster than our paychecks seem to be climbing. Division seems to be widening. We're stuck in jobs we don't enjoy or we struggle with. 
And I'm sure for some of us, this is the first Christmas without a beloved family member. And then to make matters worse, when we find ourselves here, we don't always make the best decisions. Our hope is maybe that that new gift or that new toy that's under the tree is going to take all of this feeling of pressure and weight away. And everything's going to be better, but we know deep down it's actually not. Then we decide to mind-numbingly scroll our way through social media just to compare our Christmas pictures with everybody else's. And their smiling faces seem to be a lot happier than our smiling faces. And we take this weight that that Christmas brings and that's robbed us of wonder and we decide to try to duplicate grandma's fudge or her favorite cookie and we eat the whole batch. And we end up feeling guilty and sick and it's still there. Maybe we try to numb it with alcohol. But if we're honest, none of this is going to make us feel any better. So how do we get the wide-eyed wonder that we had as a kid back to Christmas? How does it come back? How do we bring that sense and that feeling and that excitement back? The truth is there's no tradition, no cookie, no gift, no family member that can bring back that feeling of wonder. There's actually only one thing that brings that sense of wonder back to us, and it's a baby born almost 2,000 years ago in the most humble of places, in the most humble of towns to an oppressed people. And I want to take a look at his story right now. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It'll be on the screen for you. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. As I read this text and we wrestle with these feelings of malaise and burden that we feel and have a desire to experience the wonder of Christmas again, I realize the truth of this text. God with us is the true wonder of Christmas. God with us is the true wonder of Christmas. Don't miss that. We read over this and we go, oh yeah, it's the same Christmas story, right? Heard it before, thanks. It's Christmas. Should have known you'd read that text. We are the only religion that believes God stepped out of his palace in heaven, out of his perfection, out of his kingdom to come and be with us. To come and experience life as we experience it. 
There's no other world religion that believes that. To them, God stands far off. God doesn't want a relationship. God stands apart. But as followers of Christ, we believe that our God has come near, that he has stepped into our world, into our experience, And he didn't do it in a palace. He didn't do it in magnificence. He did it through an engaged teenage girl and her carpenter fiancé. A quick look through the four Gospels shows Jesus came to be with his creation in the most expected and unexpected places. He didn't come in extravagance. He came humble and to the boring, ordinary places of our lives. God came to us in the boring ordinariness of life, not the extravagance of our social media worlds. He came, as his name said, to save us. John in his gospel, John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If you're here today and you felt like the way you live, the the lifestyle you have, the choices you've made have led to condemnation, to somebody judging you, judging the way you dress, judging the way you act, judging the way you speak, that's not Jesus. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He came to love. He stepped out of that experience so that we could know him. He stepped out of heaven to a manger, to a cross, and eventually out of a tomb so that we could know and be in relationship with him. But it's not enough to just know it. We have to invite him in. Jesus didn't come to stand outside of our mess and watch. He doesn't stand over here and go, how you doing? Going to wait and see how you make this mistake today. He joins with us in our pain and our hurt. Matthew chapter 4, he's tempted the same way we're tempted. Matthew chapter 8, he walks into the storm with the disciples. He doesn't stand outside the storm. He's in the midst of the storm with them. You can look at story after story of how he walks into people who are paralyzed, who are sick, who are hurting, One woman in particular is bleeding. He walks into the brokenness of a guy named Matthew. He's a tax collector, a social outcast. Nobody wants anything to do with Matthew. And Matthew ends up writing a gospel that we're reading from today because Jesus walked up to his tax collector booth and said, hey, Matthew, I want to come to your house today and have lunch. Don't clean yourself up. Don't clean the house up. I want to come. He knows what it feels like to lose a loved one as he grieves the loss of his cousin in Matthew chapter 14. For those of us grieving today, Jesus grieves with us and understands that loss. And maybe most importantly or most amazingly, in Matthew chapter 26, he walks into the house of a leper. Leprosy is a skin disease, and at that time it made you unclean. You couldn't be with anybody else. You had to stand on the outside of the city You were isolated. We maybe didn't understand isolation two years ago, but we do now, right? And we get annoyed when we have to be isolated for three days. I won't speak for you. I get annoyed when I have to be isolated for three days. 
Like seriously, I got to stay inside my house 72 hours? Drives me nuts. This guy has been isolated from community, isolated from friends, isolated from family, because if he comes in contact with them, then they can't come to church. They can't go to worship because he's unclean. Jesus steps into that isolation and says, I'm here to have dinner. And he comes to a banquet at the leper's house. Maybe if we're going to really experience the wonder of Christmas again, we need to start being honest with Jesus. Instead of trying to sugarcoat our struggles, we need to invite Jesus into the midst of our fear about how we're going to pay our bills, into the midst of our broken relationships that are tearing us apart inside. And say, God, I need you to show up and be who only you can be in this relationship. We need Jesus to step into the anger and the violence that we feel inside our own hearts. We need him to be present as we grieve the loss of one we love. The wonder of Christmas is that Jesus is present in each of these situations. I remember a time when Jesus was present in my life. I was in fourth grade. My parents had just finalized their divorce. And all of a sudden, this guy from my church named Rick called my mom and said, hey, I'd like to hang out with Jason. I'll just show up after school once a week, pick him up. We'll hang out for about an hour. I just want to make sure he's doing okay. Truth is, I was not doing okay. Rick had the time on his hands because he knew what it felt like. He'd just been through his own kind of struggle. He was one of the first hundred people in the United States to have a heart transplant. And when he got that heart, he was told, you have four years to live. So what I remember about Rick, nothing fancy, no amazing words he said. I remember he showed up every week. I remember he always had a stick shift and it was always cool. At first it was a Corvette and then it was a Jeep and he never had the doors or top on the Jeep. And every time I would go to take a drink of soda, he would shift and I would pour it down the front of myself. (laughs) I remember that in fifth grade, Rick became my Sunday school teacher. I remember in sixth grade, Rick became my middle school small group leader. And I remember when I graduated high school and Rick had walked with me for the last eight years that Rick was my roommate on my first mission trip. You see, Jesus wants to show up in our mess in even deeper ways than Rick ever could. But we have to be willing to invite him in. The truth of Christmas is no matter what you're struggling with today, you don't have to go through it alone. You're not isolated. You're not meant to be an island. You're not required to pick yourself up by your, by your own strength. We were designed for community. God knows that, and he wants us to live in relationship with him and others. God with us, Emmanuel, matters Because God wants a personal relationship with you and I. And maybe the most real experience we'll ever have of that relationship is when we join in community 
with, another, with other followers of Jesus. So over the next few days, you're gonna celebrate with your family. You're gonna open presents. We're gonna eat more food than we ever needed to. But in the midst of that, I wanna invite you to step back from the traditions. Step back from the presence. Step back from all the stress. And see if by inviting Jesus in, you can begin to wonder again. Stand in wonder of the God who loves you and me enough to step out of heaven and come be our neighbor. Not with all the answers, but as one who wants to walk alongside of us who came to experience the same heartbreak, trials, joys, and everything else that life has to offer. Stand in wonder that the God of the universe knows your name, loves you, and wants to be involved in the deepest place of hurt you have. Where in your life do you need to experience God with us this holiday season? And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus in, we would love to talk with you about that. I'd love to be able to have a conversation with you. And most of all, as a church, we would love to be able to walk alongside of you on your faith journey as it begins and as it grows. That's the true invitation of Christmas to witness the same arrival of God with us in all the expected and unexpected realities of our human lives. An honest Christmas will lead to honest wonder because God with us is the true wonder of Christmas. Matthew ends his book the same way he began it. Listen to these words as Jesus speaks this time. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In the middle of your malaise, I pray God shows up this Christmas and causes you to stand in awe and wonder like we all did at Christmas when we were kids. Will you pray with me? God, it is amazing. We take this story for granted because we've read it so many times, but you stepped out of heaven to show us how much you love us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But you came to be with us. God, I pray that this holiday season, we would experience that in tangible ways. That God, by experiencing you with us in the midst of this holiday, we would see that you are real and your love for us is deeper than we ever imagined. God, make us a community that walks with people because the God of the universe has walked with us. We pray all this. In Jesus' name, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.